hi everybody. Thanks to welcome to the podcast. How happy if I oh shit, I was let me do that one again. Hold on. I'm gonna redo that one. Say it with vigor, you f come on. From the diaphragm. Hi, there we go. <laughs> God damn it. Um welcome to the show, everybody. This is original podcast Do Not Steal. Um a show about saying uh slurs that we're allowed to say. I Join think us pretty- on Patreon where we say slurs <laughs> we're not allowed to say. <laughs> I have a lot more Patreon content than than you do. It used to be that we we had an equal exchange. You know, our old our our old theoretical name for a podcast. Um, <laughs> we each had a slur we weren't allowed to say, and now you're allowed to say fat. Um, oh. But it's really ruined the bit for me. Shout out to the Fig and Nagger podcast that never. That was got Devin's idea, cr- for the record. <laughs> I didn't come up with that name. Devin came up with that name. Don't cancel me. <laughs> just, just full on Randy Marsh. I'd like to solve the puzzle. <laughs> but that's not this podcast. That's Amber, not this what is podcast. this podcast? This is a better podcast than that, I hope to God. This is original podcast, Do Not Steal, a weekly podcast in which every week Devin and I take your favorite and or least favorite intellectual properties and we make an original character in that property. Um, today I think we're really gonna hit the favorite and least favorite, um, and that today that we are talking about Scott Pilgrim, um, and I want to add a parenthesis here that we are talking specifically about the graphic novel series, um, and not the movie. I imagine the movie will come up, I imagine the video game will come up, I'll probably talk a lot about differences of adaptation, but, um, specifically the character that I'm in, the world that I'm interested in making a character in is the graphic novel series, so if you came here to tell me that the movie is bad or whatever. You're wrong. Uh, don't, I mean, yeah, you're wrong. Um, this will be the hottest take that I have in the entire show. Like, it'll be that and whenever I say that the Gem and the Holograms movie is good. And when I say that five out of the eight Harry Potter movies are good. I'm gonna have a lot of bad hot takes, but one of them, the Scott Pilgrim movie is good. Um, but the books are so much better. They're on a completely different league than the movie, and that is what we are talking about today. Uh, I suspect it's going to be slightly more of an Amber Autumn talkie episode, and so we're going to open this up by doing the thing that we always do, which is we turn to the person who doesn't have the talkie time that episode, usually just the one who didn't propose that episode, and I say, hey, Devin, uh, talk about Scott Pilgrim for a little bit before I take over. That video game is awesome. It's one of the best beat-em-ups ever. I played it by myself, and I constantly try to get more people to play with me, and it's never happened. But one day it will. I love that game so much. But I'm... I read Scott Pilgrim in high school. I remember when the last book came out, but it's been a long time, and I was a dumb high schooler, so the thoughts and feelings I had then were probably stupid and wrong, and I'd have a lot of different ones if I reread it, and I probably should, and we're probably gonna, we are, I can feel it, I can feel it in my bones, spending time talking about differences in adaptations, but if I'm remembering correctly, the books are more overt about the fact that Scott Pilgrim is a fuck-up and he sucks. (laughs) Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, like, that for... A lot of characters. I think Ramona is one of the more famously robbed characters in the movie. Because the Ramona in the book also fucking sucks. She's almost as bad as Scott is in slightly different ways. Um, And the books aren't afraid to, like, talk about that and examine it. And, like, make it a part of the story in the same way that Scott being a fuck-up is a part of the story. Um, 
And instead, in the movie, she's just kind of like a... Well, it's just a little bit of a dick, just sort of generically in the movie. Um, I Before we get too far into it, I do have one small story to share. I watched Scott Pilgrim the movie with Taylor and Sonny once, and Taylor went, man, that's... Why is Scott making this decision? And I just said out loud, because Scott's a dumbass. And Sonny laughed real hard and went, yeah, Taylor, next time you have that question, just remember, Scott Pilgrim's a dumbass. That's absolutely correct. I don't know how much the movie quite um, dramatizes that properly, given that that is a question people are having. But um, Scott fucking Pilgrim the graphic novel series i seriously think this is one of the best graphic novel series of all time um and i know that it's like super like red flag teenage white boy to of me to say that uh, it just unfortunately happens to be true um i think that the thing that you said about having a different experience of it in high school is probably very very true um i reread these i don't know what like six months ago as part of like breakup reading material i got i got dumped super hard and um in a way that something in my brain told me to reread scott pilgrim um and when i did i found out the reason why that was which is that there's actually a lot in common with my with my breakup in these books uh over the the envy adam storyline i think in no small part um these books are breakup stories could Um, i ask you a question before you super get off because this is a thought i had that I don't know how true it hands up, but I feel like if I reread it, that Scott Pilgrim would do the thing that Hamilton does, where like five songs in of just rapping, there's a standard musical for all the white people who are like, well, why are they rhyming? I'm so confused. Because you need an in for a different type of audience. And I feel like what Scott Pilgrim does is it tricks all you stupid nerds with Sonic the Hedgehog references and the riff from Final Fantasy and then just is about interpersonal relationships. Am I on the money there? You're pretty close. I will say about the book, I I think that the movie has, has affected people's perceptions of what's in the book a lot. Like, the book is much less hyperkinetic Sonic the Hedgehog reference Final Fantasy riff than you think it is. It's honestly not that Sonic the Hedgehog reference-y at all. It's, in a lot of ways, a pretty low-key romantic drama comedy set in, like, a small town, and also occasionally there are robots in it. But it's not, like... It doesn't have that reference-a-minute tone that the movie has. Mm-hmm. Because most of the references I remember were pretty, like... Scott Pilgrim shirt has a Triforce in it, and Volume 2 is the cover of Super... I remember them being more low-key. Yeah, I believe you that Scott... That, Jesus, that Sonic... That Scott's shirt at some point has a Triforce on it. Um, but that's probably about as far as it goes. Alright, and... Um, I shoot them takes, man. I'm all, I'm all ready to hear it. So I think that mostly thematically, Scott Pilgrim as a series is about the ways that your past relationships and also about your like childhood experiences, your experiences in high school go on to affect the rest of your life, right? Like I think that probably it would be difficult to get the full impact out of this in high school because I like, you know, I had some exposure to Scott Pilgrim in high school. I read the comics in high school, I believe, and it was fun. I had like a good time. I enjoyed it. I had never had a breakup before. I never had an ex. This is a story all about exes, and I hadn't had one yet. You know what I mean? And this is a story, like, 
entirely about how Scott is, like, traumatized over this thing that he had with Envy Adams and the ways that Kim is traumatized over this thing that she had with Scott and Ramona is traumatized over all of these, like, past... Maybe traumatized is an intense word. Some of that, for sure, is, is trauma, TM. But a lot of it is just, like, everybody in this world has been in relationships in the past and has made some shitty decisions in those relationships. Except for Knives in the first part of the story... Um, because she's like a high schooler, and that's the point, is that Scott is dating her because he's trying to reach back into that point in his life when he hadn't experienced that kind of heartbreak yet. And by the end of the book, by the end of the sixth book, um, like well over a year has passed since Scott broke Knives' heart all over the floor, and like she's a different person by that point, and she is responding to the ways that her shitty relationship with Scott in high school went. So... There's, like, this this through line through the whole thing about, like, the echoes that our prior relationships have on us moving forward. It's also the funniest fucking book in the entire world. Like, there's the adage that reference humor is just, like, the worst kind of humor, right? And people think of Scott Pilgrim, I think, in the large part, as being a lot of reference stuff. Um, but it's hysterical. Every other panel, there's, like... Um, the one where Scott talks about something being in color and there's a little note that says, Note, this book is in black and white. And then if you have the color version of the book, that panel says, Note, this joke was funnier when the book was in black and white. <laughs> I remember that. It's a good joke. It's like a... It's not just a reference. It's... it's They made a joke. Scott, you're um, probably the nicest guy I've ever dated. That's sad. I'm trying to think how much I really have to say other than I love the book and here's what it's about. I might not have that much more to say. I might just be ready to make a character at that point. But Scott Pilgrim, it's good. I love it. Um, here are some things that you would want to keep in mind when making a character about it. Because it's set in Toronto, Canada, right? And um, it's set in this world where there is sort of this, like, level of video gamey overlay to it. God, I didn't do the, like, introduction. Scott Pilgrim is a six-volume uh, comic book series by Brian Leo Valley about these shitty, like, 22-ish-year-olds... Um, and they're shitty, just out of college, still figuring out how to get through their lives' lives. Um, but over the whole thing, also, there are characters who, like, are robots or have fighting powers. Um, one of the best jokes in the series to me is somebody offhandedly references, like, somebody challenges Scott to a fight. And this is, like, new in the comic. You've never seen this before. You're like, what? They're gonna fight? And somebody goes, Psh. Don't they know that Scott is the third best fighter in the province? Like, that's just information that we're just supposed to accept. And we do, because, like, they just feed you information about how the world works, and it doesn't actually disrupt anything for you to just, like, take that as given. The main thrust of the story is about Scott trying to date this girl, Ramona. Um, but in order to date her, he has to defeat in combat her seven evil exes. Um, and those seven evil exes are pretty well like, plotted territory, so it would be difficult to make it, like, an eight evil X, right? Um, but some places I could imagine going with the character is we could make, like, um, a figure from Ramona's past who, like, didn't quite get to join the League because it wasn't quite serious enough. We could make one of one of the other characters' exes, like, one of the characters who maybe doesn't get quite as much explored. We could do, like, a Kim X or a Lisa X. Lisa, incidentally... Um, was absolutely robbed. Lisa is a character that's only in the book series, um, and I I love her to pieces, 
and she deserved more than she got in, in the world and her, her cultural reputation. I don't know. I think, I think it, I really want to make a character who is another character's ex. Like, in theory, you can make any number of relational characters. You can make somebody's parents. You know, we don't meet a lot of parents other than Knives's. But I think that staying true to the themes of the story, that something that brings up a probably painful source of, like, romantic history for someone, and probably something that that character fucked up. And then, probably what you do is that you come up with some sort of slightly video gamey layer to throw on top of it to give them a cute little gimmick. You know, they're half ninja or whatever. All right, Amber, here's an idea. And I want yeah. to preference by saying it's fucking stupid and we won't follow through with it. But what if? It's going to give me some even stupider idea that we are going to go with, so go What for it. if we do Ramona's League of one ex who's just kind of a not bad guy and he's just kind of nice and he's like yeah ramona was kind of mean to me so i broke up and that's it <laughs> that's the guy <laughs> he's, just like, he's just like a simple dude and he's just kind of nice but a little boring and, he, and it would be a very short episode shout out to you <laughs> one member of <laughs> Ramona's league of just sort of kind of nice exes where things didn't really work <laughs> I actually think it probably is pretty important to Ramona's character that Scott is the nicest guy that she's ever dated. I don't really want to give her someone who was better than Scott to compare to. I could imagine making like a, a guy who Ramona wanted but didn't ever get to have. A guy who she pined over but was too good for her. I think that could be an interesting way to go. In which case, we would have to figure out what it is that she pined for about him and where in the timeline of Ramona's life this fits in. God, I'm also flipping through, and what good use of comics as visual medium this thing has. Truly an extraordinary number of, like, like the placement of every panel and which ones spill out over to the very edge of the page and which one of them have gutters, like, tell you things about the emotional state the characters are in. And some of them are in like the big obvious ways where you have like, like text over text to illustrate like multiple characters talking at once, you know, the big like eye catching stuff, you know, parts that are in Scott's head drawn in a different way to indicate like the ways that he's thinking. Um, but just as much of it is like basic, simple cinematography of like, this panel is a turning point. So it gets to be larger on the page. This is a panel where Scott is feeling like he's trying to blend into the background. And so that panel is small, even though it's important because it illustrates the emotional state that, he, that he's in. Just like really nuts and bolts storytelling in the like physical layout of the panels in this strip. Love it when things exceed at the fundamentals. That's my hot oh, take we about love it when role. people When shit succeeds at the fundamentals, the fundamentals are so important. God, people are... This is a whole other tangent that I'm going on here, but, like, I have this really strong take that I think that people are really, really bad at understanding why they do and don't like the things that they like, and I'm largely included in that. I do think that I'm somewhat exempt from that because I'm a special snowflake and also because I spend a lot of time thinking about media, but I think that a lot of the times, people will reach towards whatever, like, surface-level critique they can find of the thing. Yes, I'm stealing all of this from Film Crit Hulk. If you recognize it, leave me alone. Like people will, people will say things like, oh, 
they liked Rogue One because they liked that it filled in, like, the plot hole of how they managed to blow out the fourth Death Star. But, like, it's not. If you liked Rogue One, you liked it for underlying fundamental reasons of, like, filmic construction and story plotting construction. And probably you just reached for whatever the closest thing you could find was and said it was probably about that. Um, and nine times out of ten, the real reason that you did or didn't enjoy something is about the fundamentals. Um, and, and boy howdy, does this have them. Andor's a really good show. You brought up Rogue One, and we're not in Star Wars month, but holy fuck! I know, I have to watch it. I've heard good things from ev- literally everyone about it. And, and everyone's correct. Andor's fucking fan. It's so... I, I could have been having this the whole time. Star Wars could be this on screen? And you gave me fucking Boba Fett? And I don't even dislike Boba Fett, but holy shit! It's night and day, baby. So we're thinking, like... Like, David, sweet guy, um, Ramona wants him, can't have him at some point. I was looking through to try to figure out what exact age Ramona is when the series starts. It's kind of like a running gag in the beginning that it's a mystery because she's a mystery to Scott. Um, that she ha- that he has no idea even what age she is. But then there's like a point later in one of the books when she just like says it, kind of like as a throwaway. He's like, she's like, do you really not know? I'm I'm this age, and like the how offhand it is is part of a commentary on, like it's a joke. It's funny, but it's also like Scott had all of these like all of these feelings about Ramona being a mystery where he could have just asked her. But um, I don't know. She's early twenties. Do we think that David has any particularly special gimmick to him? Like, we've got characters who, you know, have psychic vegan powers or who just are rock stars or whatever. Um, uh, Were we looking for someone who's just a boring guy? So, yeah, that was the thing I wanted to bring up is we ran headfirst into being boring. And my immediate thought was, how do you make the boring fantastical? Like, he's an accountant but an accountant in an action movie where he has to do John Wick camera shit, but it is just about numbers. His <laughs> This is stupid. His power is to make the frame very exciting because he's very content and happy with his life, so he gets sick speed lines and dynamic character positioning within the frame, but he's just typing at a desk, and he's like, ah, I love it when number go up. That's amazing. There's an ongoing plot point in the book where Ramona gets these, like, lines around her head that at first you assume um, are, like, they're lines that indicate some kind of emotion from her, that indicate, like, surprise or shock or something. But then other characters start reacting to them. Um, Like, what is that thing that your head is doing? Um, And so I think that this fits in really well with that. I really love the idea that... Um, this character could show up and just make the lines like look like action panels. And then all the characters go like, "How are you making? How are you making it do that?" And he's like, "I'm just that excited about numbers. <laughs> numbers just get me so jazzed, man." I think here's the thing: is that the characters do largely act like twenty somethings, though. And so I feel like a lot of the other characters. Like, you could have the potential for a lot of the other characters, especially the meaner ones, to think the guy is boring. Like, I think that Julia, or Julie, rather, I think that Julie would 
think that guy is boring and would complain about him sometimes. And I could imagine like, like Ramona being like, no, that guy's nice or, or whoever, like maybe not Ramona because Ramona is the one with history, but like, I don't know, knives or young Neil or somebody being like, really? He seems nice to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's young Neil. Young Neil's like, I don't know. He seems nice. Yeah. He's, he's passionate about his thing. We don't need to come up with an entire storyline here, but what, how does this character end up in the story? It crossing path, like it can either be through fl- flashback or has this character somehow found their way to Toronto? I feel like every time I've come up with an idea, I've preferenced it with, I think this is stupid. And I just want to say on record, I have a lot of difficulty with Ernesty. If you listen to the first Dark Universe episode, I end every sentence I have with going, who gives a shit? Because I'm scared of my ideas being bad. And I'm not doing that. This isn't a self-defense technique. I just think all of the ideas I've come up with have been dumb intentionally. But my first thought was he gets to Canada and he's like, look at their crazy money. It's purple and like hard. It's not flimsy paper. I'm also an American and I'm used to our fake paper money. Look at that crazy Canadian currency. I love it. So I think my question more is why has he come to America or to come to Canada in the first place? To see their fucking crazy money. (laughs) Is that seriously the whole thing? (laughs) Yeah. He's he's a simple guy. Like, like, Like Scott's like part of the League of Evil Exes, and David's just like, part of the what? That thing Gideon was talking about? He's a tool. Fuck that guy. I think they're bringing him here because of the money. Here's the deal. That idea is fucking stupid, and you should feel bad about it, and spend the rest of <laughs> your entire life prefacing all of your ideas with, who cares, whatever, in order to defend against having this bad of an idea ever again. Uh, I'm kidding. I love you. Um, it is a dumb idea, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, no, again, it's, it's, I referenced with it's stupid because it is. It makes sense to me for him to come up there for a business reason, and it's just some stupid fucking cosmic coincidence that has him in Toronto. Maybe he travels a lot, and he looks her up while he's in town, and he's like, yeah, we had this thing back in, like, I don't know, Back when we were 19 or whatever, where you were in love with me and I didn't do anything about it, but we were friends. And, you know, we used to be friends before that fell apart. I was in town. I thought I would look you up and say hi because he thinks that they're past it. But she's like really obviously not over it. Um, And I guess to sort of be a little bit of a mirror for Envy, but for Ramona. And instead of being like, like a girl who used to be nice, but who turned into this like celebrity woman who has absolutely no resemblance to the woman who Scott dated back in college. Instead, it's like someone who was always too good for Ramona. And now Ramona has accrued this like even bigger, like trail of hurt people behind her. And he's the same as he ever was. And so it's sort of like a, I don't know, light side mirror to envy. Yeah. That's a good idea. See, it's why this podcast works. One of us dumb. The, the rule of two, Amber. There is one to be stupid and one, to, <laughs> and one to not. I really love the action lines idea. I think that's so fucking funny and works so well for the tone of the comic. Yeah, I'll, I'll blow smoke up my own ass. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> it's a good idea. You were right. But yeah, I, 
I like that. He's the same as he ever was. He's good. Ramona's not over it. So how much more do you want to spend on, like, the story and his involvement with the plot? And, like, how much more do you want to flesh out David? I feel sufficient about... I don't really need to know the whole story. Um, I feel like we flesh out David a little bit more. And honestly, I don't feel the need for it to be that complicated of a character in this instance. But we should have a little bit more about David and what his deal is. I get that we made him simple on purpose, but nobody in the world of Scott Pilgrim is so simple that they don't have, like, at least some sense of something that they want out of life or some way that they relate with people around them, something like that. I have a question. I have an answer. You said that it becomes very obvious that Ramona is not over the thing. Does David notice that and react? Because nice doesn't have to equal oblivious, but we have also kind of said that he's unchanged, and the thing from the past is that he didn't notice. So do you think he notices? Yay, nay, and if so, how does respond? So here's the thing that you really need out of a Scott Pilgrim character, is we have this character who's both funny and has a prior relationship to characters in the cast, and both of those are good, and what you really need is a moment... Um, a little bit later after you've gotten to know this character and spend a little time with him when his like humanity is revealed when you when you come to understand that this guy has feelings and emotions that were affected by Ramona that he wants something by coming here I think that he didn't look her up randomly I think that maybe he heard about the League of Evil Exes and maybe like like yeah maybe Gideon did contact him um and that's like how he figured out what was going on with Ramona back when we were friends and then she started being mean to him and he tracked her down to like try to put it to bed and we don't like come to understand that at first until I don't know some amount of conflict happens and then you get to have a scene between him and Ramona where he goes like hey like Gideon reached out to me he told me about this thing I I just wanted to be friends with you and you didn't tell me what you were feeling. You just like expected me to figure it out. And then when I didn't like you were mean to me and we get to like have a moment of vulnerability of him saying that to Ramona and then Ramona getting to like take that in as a fun little like side story. That's, that's how I would imagine that playing out. Cool. That I feel good about that. What was the thing you were going to say? Um, I managed to work most of the thing I was going to say into that. But I also am wondering about the ways that he relates to the rest of the cast. Because he comes in to track down Ramona, probably, right? And people in the story tend to, like, get folded into the friend group for a while. Like, you know, if somebody's hanging out with Scott, they tend to just start also hanging out with Stephen Stills and Young Neil and so on and so forth. And... I would bet that Scott would either be too oblivious to notice that Ramona um, clearly didn't ever quite get over it, or he would feel kind of jealous, but in like a little bit of a funny way. I'm wondering if this guy is here to just like say hello to Ramona and leave, or if he's like sticking around and like gets to meet the other characters, or... I think he sticks around because as much as he's here to say hi to Ramona, he is also here on a very important business he works at a business factory and he does he does work at the business factory (laughs) he does he works in numbers he's he's with numbers he love uh the number 
I think that sometimes they ask him what he's doing and he reads off some like long science fiction thing. Yeah, I'm uh, calculating quantum wormhole probability vectors. Um, and then like it's like in the same tone that you would say that you budget expense reports or whatever. And everyone is super bored by it. Scott falls asleep every time he asks what he does. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a little bit in the intro when Brian Lee O'Malley's talking about Lost at Sea, which is his prior graphic novel, which is also excellent. I totally recommend Lost at Sea. Um, where he says if the if the, the protagonist of Lost at Sea is more complicated than most people, Scott is less complicated than most people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I just want to... I don't know why I started saying David, but I did, and I'm sticking with it. I want to come up with David's vibe, and then, like, once we have, like, an outfit and everything. I've been picturing I feel pretty clear. glasses, white button-up, black tie, Fitbit. Oh, fully wearing a tie every time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into that. Well, his second-to-last appearance, it's a, it's a tie with, like, a stripe. And he's like, as you guys can see, because I've become a full-on member of the Fen group, I'm dressing casual. <laughs> but yeah what's what's david adult man's vibe i mean i think it seems pretty clear that david is supremely uncool like everybody else in the group like listens to cool music you know and like drinks at trendy coffee shops and i think david shows up and he like has never once heard of crosby stills and nash david like, exclusively listens to Motley Crue. David, what are you listening and to right now? Everything <laughs> is awesome! Exactly. And he... I think he's delighted to... I think he's super earnest about, like... Hearing all the stuff that everybody else is disaffected about. Like, everybody else is so excited about Clash of Demon Head. I don't think that David has ever heard of Clash of Demon Head. But he's glad that other people are excited, you know? You know what? You know what David likes other than numbers he likes to learn and what he really likes to learn about is what you're about so he's just here to listen he listens to a lot of podcasts but not like the cool ones you know david listens to an empty bowl the podcast wherein they speak at very hushed tones and there's <laughs> oceans in the back and they just talk about cereal real podcast by the way you can all look it up great podcast to fall asleep what? to are we at one fun fact apiece? I think so. You sound unsure. Do we still need something to make David click? Do we still need a... No, I... If there is the thing to make it click, I couldn't find it now. But yeah, we, we set out to make kind of a, a more boring, a more subdued, a more laid-back character to juxtapose all the loud, bright cartoons. And I think I think we nailed it. In which case, um, let's come up with one fun fact piece about David. My fun fact is that to illustrate that David is better than Scott Pilgrim, right, is that they do get into a fight like the first time they show up. And David, like full on wusha fighting, but in language that I better understand, in fight game terms, David is not a fighter. He is the novice who has entered the tournament and is going up against Daigo Udahara. But David's techniques are so off the beaten path of what the matchups would suggest that Scott Pilgrim is lost and doesn't know how to react. So David just wins the fight. <laughs> he just wins by accident because he's better than Scott. 
I'm distressed. I like I know too many trans fighting game people now that I like know who Daigo is. You know what I mean? How does it feel, Amber? How does it feel to it's finally upsetting. understand I don't when like I talk it. about fight games? <laughs> I hate it. I want to go back. Fight I want to put that knowledge awesome. back in the box. <laughs> I've, I've squeezed all this toothpaste out, and I know too much about the FGC. Induce vomiting on the fruit of knowledge. Thuggery will never die, and to speak about it will only make it stronger. Ooh, ooh, I have a secondary fun fact, a video sure. game tie-in. I was, I was wondering if you were going to go for the video game, like, DLC fun fact. Ah, oh, God, I love the video game so much. But if you find David and you answer three math problems correct, he, through math science, gets you a discount at all shops. Cute. He just, like, explains somehow how logically, mathematically, if you think about it this way, um, this smaller number and this larger number are actually equal to each other, so you can pay the smaller price. My fun fact, I keep trying to get away from it, I'm floating around it, but I think I'm going to have to go for it. I think that David ends the series with Kim Pines. Isn't... Isn't... Pretty... Kim's not straight. Well, she's not straight. She clearly... I mean, she Kim is clearly bi. Oh yeah, she does. I always forget she dates Scott, because... Yeah, she dates Scott. I always forget. Always forget. I mean, that's ROC, and what are OCs if not an excuse to have two characters kiss? I think that... Listen, you're allowed to ship your OC with Kim. I just think that narratively, we've created a a character who's too good for Ramona, but is still, like, a part of her world. A character who loves and accepts the, like, the hipster cred of the friend group without being a part of it, while giving, like, a very different voice into the world. And I think that all of that compliments Kim really well and she doesn't get like a really strong personal resolution partly on purpose because it's it's Scott's story and he doesn't get to have like the resolution of Kim's emotional state she like on purpose doesn't really get an ending in the book I think that here we have a character who's better than Scott I just think it makes sense Okay, yeah, I'm shipping my character with the characters in the story. I'm allowed to. So does this happen before or after Kim's spinoff where she gets a happy girlfriend? Does that- what? Yeah, did you not know about that? Kim gets a spinoff? I didn't know about this. Yeah. Hold on, shit, I'm googling this. This totally ruins my fun fact. Would you like a fun fact about why I know that Kim has a spinoff? Yes. It's because my Scott Pilgrim OC I made back in high school, I 100% shipped with Kim because I had a crush on Kim Pine. Who doesn't? Truly, I cannot find this anywhere. There's no way I fucking fabricated this in my own brain. I'll look for it after the recording. Anyways, Amber, that is a sewed, I believe, unless there's anything else we have to do. I'm losing my mind looking for this spinoff, Devin. <laughs> Okay, well, I can't find it. That means my fun fact gets to stand. <laughs> Before we go, though, it's parasocial bonding time. Um, we got to do a, a getting to know you question. Here's my question for you, Devin. Uh, How is uh, your relationship with your brother these days? With Noah? Yeah. Um, 
That's good. I don't reach out as much as I should to most of my siblings and family in general, but it's it's good. I am not as mean to Noah as I was in high school. He's tall. He's tall and he goes to the gym. He's taller than me. I hate it. All of my siblings. Everyone's Whoa. taller than me. It's not fair. Even I'm taller than you. Yeah, just everyone. Everyone's taller than me. They hate it. Yeah, but Thanks. you have better tits than all of them. Dad. <laughs> what about you, Amber? How's your relationship with your siblings? Pick any my, one of them. My sister reaches out to me all the time. She texts me all the time, and I'm so bad at texting back chronically. Um, it's like a meme in my family. People know me as not ever texting back to anyone. Um, it's a real bummer. <laughs> But I love my sister. She made me these huge-ass socks for Christmas. We see each other, you know, a few times a year, and uh, it's good. I like her. We have a lot in common, although she's way more into bugs. She was on the bugs episode. Remember the bugs episode? What a great episode. I do remember the bug episode. Um, Speaking of episodes, um, join us next week when Devin tries to get us to talk about professional wrestling. But instead, we talk about... um, We talk... Sorry, it doesn't look right. Amber, you f- Amber, I think, I think you fucked it up. Join us next week when. Join us next week when we talk about professional wrestling. Oh, oh, we will. Oh, and how it's gonna be, it's gonna be so much professional wrestling, everyone. Oh God. You've opened Pandora's box. Just like I have opened Pandora's box of attempting to monetize a friendship, which is a very quick way to end it. Don't mix business with friends if you want it to succeed and thrive. I don't. I value money more than you, Amber. Our theme music is by Kyle Alicia. You can find their work on the real realragnarok.bandcamp.com. My name has been Amber Autumn. She, her. I've been Prince Devin. That n- Join us next week and the week before that, or after that, and the week after that, for all wrestling, all the time. God help me. And then we'll do season two!